Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone, and a gracious welcome to our thousands of podcasters as well across the country and the world. So I made a promise that we'd be back to basics this month. And by that, I mean we're going to cover the first four chapters in the Science of Mind textbook, the life's work of Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind and our Centers for Spiritual Living. And the theory is, after four weeks, you will know everything you could possibly want to know about what we believe and what we stand for. Last week, we started appropriately with our idea of God, and I hope that I did a good job of dispelling the notion of God as a guy on a throne, on a cloud, peering down at us and judging us. Be gone! (laughs) Instead, our vision, more likely, is a God that is fully imminent, a God that is living and breathing even as we are living and breathing. In fact, if you remember, what I said was God created the heavens and the earth and kept right on, right? God is still creating the heavens and the earth. God is still co-creating with us our very lives. And so not some distant figure, not some uh, superhuman or Santa Claus in the sky, but rather fully present here and now with us. Well, today I want to expand on that. The logical conclusion is that if God is everywhere and everything, that also includes us. And so today I want to talk about our place in the cosmos. Today I want to talk about us, if you will, as the proxies to God here on the very planet. But I think I want to start with a joke. You knew it was coming. So a spectator at a local basketball match kept up a constant barrage of insults and derogatory remarks against one of the referees. Every call the referee made was met with criticism. Every movement of the referee seemed under observation. Well, at first, the referee chose not to notice. When you're caught up in a game, of course, you can let it slide. But as the criticism escalated, the referee could stand it no longer. He marched over to the sideline, and looking at the noisy spectator squarely in the eye, he shouted, Look here, I've been watching you mouth off for the last 20 minutes. Enough is enough. I thought so, said the spectator. I knew you couldn't have been watching the game. And so I'm going to tease you a little bit today by asking you, are you a spectator or are you in your own game? I suspect that if you are like me, often I go through life partially asleep. And by that I mean that the days of today seem a lot like the days of yesterday and pretty much what I had yesterday, I'm getting today, and pretty much I make many of the same decisions. In fact, Daniel and I, my partner Daniel and I, laughed, we went to our favorite Thai restaurant the other day, and the waiter looked us in the eye and said, number two for you, and number four for you, right? You know you're in trouble. Well, you know you're loved, 
But you also know that you are setting up the same old, same old in your life when that happens. Now, if you never want to make any changes in your life, if you're 100% satisfied with exactly what you've got, well, then that's fine. You can be asleep, right? But I'm here to suggest that when we're asleep, we're missing out on this idea of God working through us to make our own lives and the planet in general a better place. And so I want to talk today about this idea of possibly waking up a little more. And I may be pushing a few of your buttons, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get over it together. One of the buttons I would like to press to begin with is the idea that we think we can maintain a positive attitude by ignoring most of the world. How many good science of mind people right here in this room have decided they're not going to watch the news anymore because it's just so negative? Oh, come on. Hold your... <laughs> you big fibbers, hold your hands up. <laughs> but you know, when we do that, we're starting to compartmentalize our lives. We're starting to say things like, uh, well, I'm only going to pay attention to the things that can easily be identifiable as positive, or the areas where I feel I have direct influence. And so we begin to compartmentalize our lives, and in effect, we begin to say, well, whatever happens in that realm, I'm just going to let it be. I'm either afraid of it, I don't have the energy for it, I don't think I can contribute to it, whatever the reasons might be, and, and I get the reasons for it, right? In our political scene right now, don't you feel a little bit helpless? I was driving by on the I-5 the other day, and I noticed a, a car that had had some kind of a, a, a blow-up. Literally, they were at the side of the road, and smoke was coming out of their engine, and the, um, the, the front of the hood was up, and so on. And I, uh, my immediate reaction was, oh, gosh, the, the poor person. But, but I felt helpless in a way, right? It's like, here I am, 55 miles an hour going by, and I, I guess I could call 911 and make sure it's been notified, but a part of me is just like, what can I do? And don't you begin to feel that way about politics right now and some of the things that are going on in the world. It's as though it's a traffic accident happening, and what can I do about it? When we begin doing that, though, you know what happens when we turn off our participation and thinking that my voice doesn't matter or that, that there's nothing I can do about it, is we're saying, I will turn it over then to the loudest people, the people who feel they can take control over this. You're getting the danger here, right? That if we don't participate because we're feeling afraid or helpless, if, if we don't make our voice known because we're thinking there isn't enough of me or I'm not strong enough or I can't make a difference, when we do that, we're in a sense then leaving it over to the other people who feel that their voice is more important or their voice is more powerful. And there's a real danger in that. And so first of all, I want to suggest that we wake up to all parts of our lives, even as God is all parts of the universe. Last week, we, we taught that God was everything, everything, the good and the bad, the, the things that seem beautiful and the things that seem less, not, less than beautiful. It's all God. 
And I'm here to suggest that when we begin taking back all of our own lives, the parts that are beautiful and the parts that could use a little extra effort, that that's where we become powerful. That's where God moves in to work through us in even a stronger way. So rather than shying away from some of the maybe relationship troubles you're experiencing, rather than shying away from some of the politics that are going on that you don't like, rather than shying away from some of the issues that may come up at work or uh, come up in local politics or things like that, I'm suggesting we ought to give that the same level of attention that the things that are going well in our lives, the things that, uh, that seem to be on track. And I, I want us to, to hold our intentions viable in all areas of our lives. And when I say our intentions, you'll remember a few weeks ago, uh, I gave out a values study to you so that you could find out what are some of the most important values you hold. And then um, at the Golden Bowl ceremony just a couple weeks ago, you'll remember that we invited you to even crystallize some of those values down further into some things that you actively stand for, some things you want to change in this coming year. Well, now I'm here to invite you to put some oomph in it, to really use either your values or your intentions for 2019 in a powerful way to allow yourself to work with spirit, your higher power, to start working on those, to begin taking steps in that direction, not to go to sleep, you know, not too long ago, as I pulled in the, uh, it was after ushering, I'm a, a volunteer usher for Artist Repertory Theater some nights, and it was after ushering, it had been kind of a late night after we got the theater all cleaned up and things put to bed, and I remember getting into the car, and, uh, and I remember getting on the 405 to come home, and then I don't remember anything else until I'm pulling into the garage. Now, we can afford to go to sleep now and then, Habit, habit alone will tend to get us home safely. Tend to. But do you see how we cannot afford to be asleep for very long? It is up to us to take charge of our lives. If we want those intentions we made to come true, if we want to stand for something and see it through to fruition, we have to actually begin taking the steps. We cannot be the bystander. We cannot be the looky-loo, just hoping things will work out right. That will produce a life just like the life you had yesterday. When you are a spectator, you can expect to see the same game played over and over again. It's just the way the universe works. And in fact, the rules may even get changed to you <laughs> rather than with you, right? Because we're not alone in the universe. If we, if we were each individual silos, then we could actually go to sleep and our life would just be the way our life is. But of course, there are a few other billions of people on the planet that all have their own ideas, right? <laughs> and so we don't get to even have the same old, same old eventually eventually the rest of the universe will catch up with us if we fall asleep. And suddenly we'll find ourselves in a holy mess designed by someone else, not even designed by us. 
There are two ways we wake up, and I want to invite you to wake up in a couple different ways today. One as an individual, and I think we've set that up nicely. For those of you who have been here a few weeks in a row, you either have a set of your core values and you know how to act from them, or you have a specific intention or two uh, from the Golden Bowl ceremony. And I simply want you, with some activity level, then put it into a plan for approaching those goals and values. It could be as easy as something where you've written a few sentences and kind of have it posted on the door at home so that as you, you start out your day, you're reminded that today I want to take steps towards my goal or towards one of my value. It could be something real easy like that. It could be part of a spiritual practice where every night when you go to bed, you reflect on your day and how you made progress or not towards some of those goals or values, right? But I'm asking you to take charge of this in a way that you can actually check in with yourself from time to time and say, how am I doing? Not just that in January you wished things would be different, right? But an actual way of of making yourself be honest, an actual way of seeing that you're progressing towards some of your goals. Now, it could be something as simple as a goal to see more love in the world. So uh, for a simple goal like that, just check in once a day, either as you're, you're starting your day, today I'm going to see more love in the world and I'm going to notice it. I'm going to pay attention to it, right? It could be as simple as that, but that way you can actually see yourself reaching one of your goals. The other thing though that I want to talk about is what we do as a group. So very seldom in life, are we strictly by ourselves? We tend to form families, couples, friendships. We tend to work in offices that have other people. We participate in, in cities and governments and things like that. And as soon as you involve other people, I think oftentimes we start feeling somehow as though our own personal power was diminishing. And so in those circumstances, it's very common just to say, well, I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm going to allow my own personal goals to not play into this as much. Because after all, who am I to speak up when there are 10 other people? Or who am I to, to speak up in a way to rock the boat? Well, I'm here to tell you, it actually is your duty in a way to speak up, to make sure that the other members of the groups you're in know what you stand for. Now, of course, we want to be compassionate. We want to be courteous. You know, this isn't standing on this chair and shouting at your family. <laughs> and in particular, it isn't about making other people be wrong. One of the things we learned in our values survey is their values and different people have different ones. And they're not right or wrong. They're more like different flavors. So if someone has a different value than you, if someone else says, no, the most important thing to me is family loyalty, you don't argue with them and say that's wrong. It's one of their values. It's a beautiful thing. It serves them. Instead, you are merely speaking about what's more important or equally important to you. Not that it's righter uh, or wronger, it simply represents something that's really important to you. And when we begin socializing our values in, in, in teams and in families, think of the progress we can make. 
We're making things better, not just for me as an individual, but for the entire family group. And that, that of course, upscales when's our, when our families are moving forward with some love and cohesion and that, that sense of belonging. That doesn't go without notice. It rubs off on our working life. It rubs off on our social life. It's the way we ripple out that goodness into the world. This is how God works in the world. Now, sometimes I get the question about, well, how does God work in terms of big sweeping things in the world, right? How did God create the, the universe itself? And, and of course, uh, uh, in many ways, I'm tempted just to fall back on science. Well, there was the Big Bang and evolution and, and so on. But I think that's missing a little bit of the question. God works through the intelligence of itself. And so on a physical way, in terms of the planet, well, God's working through all that good science stuff, right? The tectonic plates move around, causing earthquakes and mountains to rise and volcanoes and the endless cycle of water evaporation and rain and rivers, you know, causes erosion. And all of those scientific principles are how, how God gets moving through the intelligence of the planet, Right? And so for the planet, the planet has its own intelligence of how to move forward. But in the realm of humanity, the way God gets things done, 99% of the time, it's through the humans. And so we, when we want to think about, well, how, how are we going to take care of this? You're, you're dead right. It's how are we going to take care of this. It means each one of us has an individual has to move forward in what's important to us. We have to have plans that match up with our own values and that match up with our own intentions. We have to stand for something. We have to be in the game. And then we also have to do that collectively as a group. We have to elect people that represent us well. We have to stand for the evolution of laws and social justice and so on. We can't afford to fall asleep. I want to read just a, a little bit from the Science of Mind textbook. This is from The Way It Works. He says, this thing then works for us by working through us and in fact is us. It cannot work for us in any other way. It spreads itself over the whole universe and shouts at us from every angle. But it can only become powerful to us when we recognize its power moving through us. And so we, we shouldn't be in that waiting game of hoping that some outside agency takes care of things for us. We have to be active players in our own lives and in the world. As much as we can wake ourselves up, that is the key towards moving our own lives purposefully forward and the planet mo moving purposefully forward. So how can we do this? Well, first of all, we have to know what our own game is. Literally. We have to know what we're about, what we stand for, what the most important things are for us now, and with a little bit of look to the future. What am I becoming? What do I want to see more of in my life? Do I want more love in particular? Do I want more peace in particular? Now, some people will say, well, I want it all. Well, the trouble with wanting it all is how do we obtain it all, <laughs> right? <laughs> so my suggestion is focus on one or two of the key things in your life that you would like to see enhanced or made better or corrected. 
one or two or maybe three things are probably the limit that we can put our focus on at any one time. Later in the year, once those things have been taken care of, we'll move on to something else. But for now, let us focus on the one or two things that would make all of the difference. So that's knowing what our game is and being in the game, having a plan for it. What's your spiritual practice like for, for managing that? What are you taking steps definitely towards doing? So one of the ways then is that we allow our actions to follow our thoughts. And this works both individually and collectively. What then actions, what decisions are you going to make that follow those thoughts, that follow those intentions that are a mirror to your values. See, it's hard to be asleep when you actually have a plan. But you know what? The same is true in reverse. It's really easy to fall asleep if you don't have any plan. Now, whether you think of it as your spiritual practice, whether you think about it as your personal goals, whether you think about it as your intentions for the year or your values, I kind of don't care what words you use, but I want to make sure that you have some goals and some plans to back up those goals. They can be super simple. Maybe your goal for this year is to, I don't know, declutter your home. Maybe that's one of the things that's really important to you. Okay, so what's your plan for that? right? Not just a wishful hopeful, but you have a list of the rooms down in the specific areas that you want decluttered. Do you have a time frame that's in your head for doing that? What's the plan like? And if you'll remember back to our discussion a few months ago of mini habits, even if you only worked on it five or ten minutes a day, you'd eventually get there. But if you don't have a plan right? What's the incentive for even starting, right? <laughs> so that's your challenge, and I have homework for you. I want you to see if God is working through you right now in a way that meets your expectations. Are you satisfied with how God is showing up working in your life? Are you everything that you could wish to be? Is your life in good order, and for now, let's just leave it there. Are you satisfied with God getting God's work done through you as it is right now? So I'm going to close today with a, another quote from Ernest Holmes about the way it works. He says, then, knowing that this thing can work for us only when it works through us, let us begin to accept more good than we experienced yesterday. Let us know that we shall reap a harvest of fulfilled desires. The time must come when we shall have left any apparent evil behind, when it shall be rolled up like a scroll and numbered with the things which were once just thought to be true. Let us realize and work with this sound knowledge and perfect faith, that as high as we shall make our mark in mind and spirit, so high shall be its outward manifestation in our material world. Let us pray. There is just this one thing. I call it God. It is the manifest universe itself. Every person, everything, every place, every situation, every idea, all of it, all of it is God. And what I know about God is that it also means me. 
that I'm right in the middle of it, and it's right in the middle of all of my personal affairs. That God, in fact, works through me and as me every day. It's how this human realm simply works. God works through us. And because of this, I internalize this idea that, that each day I will make decisions that live up to my set of values, that I will move myself forward in, the, in an upward spiral of spirituality and evolution, that I, that I begin to make choices based on love, that I begin to think thoughts of greater joy, that my life uplifts the one life. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, each person within the hearing of my voice. All of us have that capacity for knowing what our values and our intentions are and acting upon them. Each one of us allowing God to flow through us and as us as a powerful change agent, making our lives better, making the planet better. And so for this, for this, I am grateful. Grateful in the knowledge that we are moving as God towards a greater experience of life. Grateful for this power and this presence always. And so I release my prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.